tonight's uh, lesson is on Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, also known as the Jewish New Year. It's the beginning of the year, uh, Tishra 1, which is uh, the civil calendar for the Jewish people, God's chosen people. Amen? So we're going to begin. I'm going to pray just real briefly again. Father, we thank you again for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Lord God, for the honor and the privilege to be able to read your word, to study your word freely in a, a country that we are free to do so in. We don't take that for granted, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that tonight that you will feed our hearts and our spirits with nourishment, Lord, that you will give us revelation knowledge and to the things that you would want us to know, to make us hunger and thirst more for your righteousness and desire more of who you are and where, what we are. We know we are who we are through you, and that's how we know who we are and find our purpose here in, in life, here on this earth realm, as we know that this is not our final destination, but we will be eternally living with you forever in eternity long. Soon and very soon. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, what does this feast or this holiday or this, remember the Moed, this chosen appointed time and appointed day of the Lord mean? It really means gathering. It's our gathering unto the Lord. And as we talked about already, the, went, the uh, feasts that occur in the spring have already been fulfilled. You know, the Passover and um, Unleavened Bread and Pentecost. And now we're entering into the fall feast, and there's three fall feasts. And tonight we're going to talk about Rosh Hashanah. Soon to follow is Yom Kippur. And after Yom Kippur is the Feast of Tabernacles. And so Yom Kippur, the Feast of Trumpets and, the, and Yom Kippur kind of run together. So you will have the first day, which is the new year, beginning of a year. God reset that year for the Jews to be Tishra 1. And so that's day one. It's like our January 1. But theirs is a little bit further into the year because it falls in the fall. It's, it's always around the, the, uh, the harvest time. So 10 days into... Uh, the Feast of Trumpets, you would get on the 10th day, you would get Yom Kippur. So day one to day 10 is called Holy Days. It's also, you may have heard the word or the term Days of Awe. So that's the days that the, the Jews prepared themselves to uh, meet their maker, basically. But you know, in the days of um, the olden days, in the Old Testament, only the priests would go before the Lord uh, on Yom Kippur which is also means the Day of Atonement. We're going to talk more about that particular feast next week. Only the priests would go and atone for the sins of the people. Jesus came in the New Testament and fulfilled that because now we don't have, you know, we don't have to be atoned. We don't have to have a sacrifice that goes up. He, he was the sacrifice so that our sins have been uh, forgiven. Only in the New Testament you have to believe Jesus. You have to receive Jesus Christ in your heart in order to live eternally, to be one of his children, to be his elect. Where many of the Jews are still confused. 
are walking around ignorant because they don't believe Jesus really came. Or if they believe Jesus came, they believe he was a prophet. They don't believe he was the Messiah. So they're still waiting on their Messiah to come, which is really a sad thing. But that's what the word of God says. We're going to begin with Leviticus chapter 23. And I'll have you switch to slide two in one second. I'm going to read this scripture real quick so you can go back. Leviticus uh, chapter three, 23, verses 24 and 25. You probably have this in your text if you had a chance to look it over. It says, speak, and this is in the Torah. Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, in the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a rest. And this is that, this is Rosh Hashanah. A reminder by blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work, but you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. So that scripture tells us about what Rosh Hashanah is and what they're supposed to do on that very first day. They're supposed to bring an offering, and then the trumpets will blow. I think I read somewhere, some references said that trumpets blow about 100 times during that period. I don't know if it's for the full 10 days or how that really works. Okay, so slide two here, uh, Feast of Trumpets. It'll last for two days. So that's your first, you click on that one, thank you. And it occurs on a new moon. I hope that's readable, can you read that okay? And, it's, and then the chauffeur is blown. The chauffeur is blown at the beginning of a Sabbath. When they, whenever they needed to assemble together, they would, they would also blow the shofar. I know when Moses came down with the law, he, he blew the shofar when he came. So it's for any gathering. It always, also was used to warn uh, during the days of the watchmen, you know, when they would be up on the wall. When they saw danger approaching, they would blow the shofar. It is blown at the beginning of festivals, and it announces a new moon. Typically, on uh, your Jewish New Year, there is a brand new moon. And on most, holidays, most of the feasts, or those moeds, those chosen appointed days that God has, is a full moon. And that's how back in that time they could tell what, when the feast was going to be. They followed the moons and the stars because that's what, uh, how they uh, saw, did their time at that time. Uh, this ushers in also uh, the day of the Lord. So in the Feast of Trumpets, is it the rapture of the church? Some people think so. Or is it the second coming of Jesus Christ? Now we know that Jesus is coming, or he has already come once, but the Jews don't think so. But for us, this the second coming would be, at coming is supposed to occur at the end of tribulation period. So you know the second coming is not the rapture. They're two different things. But this is what this study is about and why we understand what they mean. We have a place in fulfilling uh, the feast as well because we're living during this time. And this, this is being, uh, is said to be the last generation, the generation that will see the coming of the Lord because the things that have been prophesied already in the Bible have all occurred except the ones that are supposed to occur after the tribulation begins. Uh, some scholars believe that the second coming will occur on the Day of Atonement. That would be that 10th day, if it's not at the beginning with the blowing of the trumpet, right? 
Now, in, uh, and if you look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 52, that's a reference. We are going to read that one uh, here in a few. So in the first century, the blowing of the shofar meant a certain day in the, uh, on the Jewish year. This first red bullet, first trump. So it's three times that it's blown that it means these, these feasts. It's blown uh, for the feast of uh, Shabbat, which is Pentecost. They call that the first trump. The second trump is Rosh Hashanah. You would think that that would be the first one because it's the beginning of the year, but it isn't. And the Rosh Hashanah, or the second trump, is also called the last trump. You see that there where it says last trump? Later down in scripture, we're going to see that, that term, last trump. People think the last trump is supposed to also mean the rapture or the second coming. Does it? I don't know. We'll find out. And then the third time that it, it is blown is called the Great Trump. Yom Kippur is, the, is that day. And it's called the, the Great Trump. Is it blown a certain way? I'm sure it probably is for them to be able to distinguish what is being communicated to them. Okay, next slide. Now we know that the rapture must take place before the Antichrist is revealed and the tribulation will not begin until the Antichrist is revealed because he's a part of the, uh, the tribulation period. So before um, we go any further, before we read these scriptures here, I'm going to give you a brief opening here on the rapture. The rapture is when Christ comes back and takes the faithful believers, the elect, whether living or dead, to heaven with him. Sometimes we call that group of people the remnant. The, uh, Jesus, the Lord, really talked a lot about the remnant and the elect and what's going to happen during the rapture because he gave examples. Remember the, uh, the ten virgins? And remember he talked about two in the field, one's going to be gone, one's going to be taken. There's a lot of emphasis on that. It is for a reason because people are not going to be ready when they really think that they are. Are they watching? Are you ready? I want you to be ready. Amen? The word rapture means to seize. So he's coming after what belongs to him. And nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. It means to kidnap. It means to catch up. To catch you up. It means to snatch up. To be snatched up and taken. And be taken away. It's almost like disappearing. Blink. You disappear. Isn't that amazing to think that God knows which ones they are? He's mar you're marked. Even the devil knows whose you are and who you are and what he can do and what he cannot do. Praise the Lord. Thank you, God. All right. So I'm going to read the First Thessalonians 4. And... Um, after a God went after each scripture, then you would click on the next scripture. Okay. And so it's going to kind of, I wanted to, I really wanted this to kind of flow as a presentation, you know, as a story. So you may just want to listen and just write the scripture down versus turning and trying to find them. Those that are here live. Verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant. That means to be unaware, which means Suddenly, unprepared, ignorant. 
I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. This is Paul warning the Thessalonians. At that time, during the time that he wrote this, they thought that the rapture had already occurred and they had been left behind. So there were a lot of people saying things and rumors going on. And that's supposed to happen right now, too. I haven't heard that, thank God. But continue here in verse 13. It says, least you sorrow as others who have no hope. Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him those who sleep in Jesus. They died in him. They were Christians, right? Jesus was in their heart, and he belonged to them. They belonged to him. Verse 15, for this is this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout or command, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. Okay, I'm going to pause there. Let's talk about some of those words. You say with a shout, with a command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. So those who are hearing and have an ear to hear are going to know that he's calling for them. I wonder what he's going to say. Wow. Uh, you say come up hither? Oh, that, well, that's somewhere in the Bible, though, because that's what he said to, was it to Paul when he took him up into the third heavens? Mm-hmm. Well, he never says anything to me. I just show up. Just, just takes me out. <laughs> it's like I have no choice in the matter. <laughs> Maybe if he gave me a choice, I might say, oh, <laughs> what are you doing to me? <laughs> At the twinkling of an eye, like, right? You can't even measure that. It says it's a millisecond, twinkling of an eye. And now let me continue. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Which that word is harpazo, snatched away forcibly. Snatched up, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So there's this joining of those individuals. I've seen pictures where they've tried to show that on TV. It's really cool. And thus, we shall always forever be with the Lord. See, it always says that forever. Hallelujah. And verse 18. Therefore, comfort, be encouraging one another with these words. So we're supposed to comfort one another with these words. We're not supposed to talk about the doom and the gloom and, and that sort of thing, right? Okay. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 11. 5, 1 through 11, 1 Thessalonians. Paul expresses that the Lord's return will be like a thief in the night. No one knows the date or time. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, 
destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, meaning to be awake and alert, putting on faith and love as a breastplate. Are you wearing your faith and your love as a breastplate? Guarding your hearts and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. Right? Wrath. That's what the tribulation is but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Amen. Okay, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verses 51 to 58. It says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be all changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. Last trump, remember? Right? Feast of trumpets. Rosh Hashanah. So Rosh Hashanah maybe is going to be the rapture. What do you think? Hallelujah. That would be amazing, right? Hallelujah. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Remember, Jesus was the first. He still got that human body and his spirit, but he's glorified. But he'll always be Jesus, and he'll always have that body. And so when you see him, or if you've ever seen him, you know you've seen him in his, in his body. You know, and he can come to you in different ways. You can see him pretty clearly, like I have. <laughs> or you can see him in the spirit. And he, oh, it's just, it's just amazing. It's, it's beautiful. You can experience him, and I'm sure you have, and, and you can continue to. And I always want to see Jesus, especially whenever I'm worshiping him. I want to see him. I want to see him come into our meeting place. I want to know that he's there. He's, he visits his church on Sunday mornings. He visits us. Hallelujah. So verse 54. Oh, I read that one. Not all of it. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that this written... Death is swallowed up in victory. So that mortality to immortality, corruptible to incorruptible, is victory over death. Which we just said that Jesus was the first resurrected. Oh, verse 55. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? 
The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. Wow. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. As long as it's in the Lord, it's not in vain. You don't want to do it in the flesh or in your own self or someone hoarding over you to make you do things. Okay, Matthew 24, verse 31. And I'm going to personalize this. And I will send, this is Jesus speaking, and I will send my angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together my elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now we're going to read Luke 17, verses 34 through 36. Listen, on the day of the Son of Man, we were just talking about this, Son of Man, Son of God. I had to figure that one out. There's some revelation there. Listen, on the Son of Man, on the day of the Son of Man, because there's the day of the Lord too. Two people will be asleep in bed, destruction will take one, and the other will be left to survive. Okay, destruction will take one and the other will be left to survive. Two women will be grinding grain together. Destruction will take one and the other will survive. Two men will be working out in the field. Destruction will overtake one and the other will survive. And finally, Revelations 3, verse 10. Because you have kept my command to preserve, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. The scriptures we just read prove that there will be a rapture. And, but do they tell us when? No, not really. There was one that said the last trump, right? Another popular question that people have is, will the church go through the tribulation? So we know there's going to be a rapture. We know there's going to be a tribulation. Will the church go through the tribulation? So um, this teaching, the next portion will be, we're going to cover, we talked about the rapture. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the tribulation. So we'll go to uh, the next slide. And there are three schools of thought about the tribulation. You know, the pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. They're, they're speaking of when will the rapture occur? Because the church is supposed to be the ones that are raptured out, the elect. But we know it's the elect, not necessarily the church. Because there's going to be many in the church that are believers that are not going to be raptured. They're not going to make the first trip. But let us describe each of those, okay? The first bullet is the pre-trib. Some believe in pre-trib. They believe that the church is going to be raptured before the tribulation begins. 
2 Thessalonians 2, verses 6 through 8. I'm going to read that real quick before we go to the next. Before we go to mid, let me see, where is it at? Okay, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. You know what restrains him now and what will hold him until the exact time when he will be revealed. The he that they're talking about is, is Satan or the Antichrist. So not Satan, the Antichrist. That's more uh, accurate. Verse 7. For the mystery of sin is already working its way through the world. Wow. He who holds him back now will continue to suppress him only until he is pulled out of the way. Here he's talking about who's suppressing him and, and not the, being pulled out of the way. It's the church. He's speaking about Holy Spirit in the church. Okay. Verse uh, 8. It is then that this rebellious one will be finally unleashed. But the Lord will slay him with the breath of his mouth and with the splendor of his coming. He will bring him to his predetermined end. So it's, he's already talking about what's going to happen and what the end result is going to be, which is at the end, at the end of the tribulation where the battle of Armageddon, he's going to come and, and, and win the war, win the, win the battle. And Satan will be bounded. He'll be bound for a thousand years and then... We're going to have the uh, millennium rule of Christ on the earth for a thousand years. So he does get out again, though. Shucks. But that's because there are going to be people that still have to believe in Jesus during that time. Those who are his elect that come back with him and are living in that 1,000-year millennium will be the elect, and they will um, they'll be over cities and over... Earth, I mean, not earth, but over, it could be over planets. Cities, towns, states, planets, whatever you, we don't know. We just know that uh, we'll be busy working with the Lord alongside him in the kingdom of God. Okay, the next um, bullet here is mid-trip. Some believe that the church will be raptured sometime during the first three and a half years of that seven-year period. So halfway mark. And I'm going to read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But relative to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and our gathering together to meet him, we beg you, brethren, not to allow your minds to be quickly unsettled or disturbed or kept excited or alarmed, whether it be by some pretended revelation of the spirit or by word or by letter alleged to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has already arrived and is here. Let no one deceive or beguile you in any way for that day will not come except the apostasy comes first or that falling away unless the predicted great falling away of, or rebellion of those who have professed to be Christians has come. And the man of lawlessness or sin is revealed, who is the son of doom of prediction. So this scripture is saying that the Antichrist is on the scene. He's been revealed. And then there's going to start to be the falling away. 
because he, he requires them to accept the mark or not accept the mark. And so before that happens, the church, the mid-tribbers, believe the church is going to be taken up. I should quit saying church, I should say the elect, the remnant, the ones that he's chosen will be taken up. And then there are those, the next one is the uh, post-trib. Post-tribulation are those who believe that the, rap, the church is not going anywhere until the end of the tribulation period, which is basically your second coming. Matthew 24, verse 27, and then also verses 29 through 31. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Immediately after the tribulation, and they use that verse, see, verse 29, it says immediately after the tribulation. Of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather together his elect. And this is where they're talking about the church being saved. Gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now, that verse 31 will happen. Because at the end of the tribulation, there are going to be saints that are saved during that time. They, they may not have got their heads chopped off. That's what, what we say is going to happen to those who don't take the bark. But there will be saints that need to, to be taken up and saved. Now, I, I don't know if they'll have glorified bodies or, or what have you. You would, you would assume, yes, they probably will. But, you know, we, we don't know. Okay, now next slide is on the tribulation period. We'll talk a little bit more about it. We talked about the three schools of thoughts. Now I'm going to read a scripture that, for, for each of these bullets, I'm going to read the scripture that matches it. This is, first one is a time or day of trouble. Daniel 12, verse 1. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. The book, the end, you know, the um, Lamb's Book of Life. And then the next one is uh, Time of Jacob's Trouble, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. Alas, A-L-A-S. And that word means um, an expression of grief, pity, or strong concern. And so he begins with alas. If you, if you read the book of Revelation, and we may down the road do some, um, do an actual seminar on the book, it's, it's a couple places where it says alas, alas, says it two times. You know, whenever that happens, you want to really pay attention to what's being written. So, alas, for that great day is, that day is great, so that none is like it. 
It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. And Jacob is Israel. If you listen to that, uh, Alas, in all history, when has there ever been a time? This is the New Living Testament of the same verse, I'm sorry. Alas, in all history, when has there ever been a time of terror such as in that coming day? It is a time of trouble for my people, for Jacob, such as they have never known before, yet God will rescue them. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. And then um, Isaiah 2, verse 12, the day of the Lord. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall come upon everything proud and lofty, upon everything lifted up, and it shall be brought low. And then we go to Matthew chapter 24, verse 21. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor shall ever be. Now, the tribulation itself is also divided into three areas, or three eras. The first, is, the first is the first three and a half years, and then you have a middle period, which is kind of like a pause or a break. Some say it only lasts a few weeks. I'm going to talk about that a little bit in a minute. And then the last era will be the last three and a half years. So if you, you add that up, it's going to be about seven years. The, the middle break, we don't really know. We're going to talk and read Daniel chapter 9. But in Daniel chapter 9, it talks about those 70 weeks of weeks. So the prophecy that, um, or the answer to the prayer that Daniel prayed when Gabriel came in and answered him, he said it's going to be 70 weeks of weeks. Well, you know, the Jewish weeks are, they're, set, they're seven years. So it'd be 70 times 7, or 490 years. Now, if we go back to Genesis, we see in the book, about, um, I forget which chapter it is, but it talks about a day with the Lord is a thousand, a thousand days, or th I'm sorry, a thousand years. One day is a thousand, as 1,000 years. And I'll, I'll bring this handout that Billy Brim has uh, produced or found somewhere, and she she uses it to teach from all the time when she teaches on uh, the end times. And it shows that, you know, what the first year, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, all the way to the seventh year is supposed to represent on God's time clock. You know, yes, God has a time clock. But God's time clock, as we know, are events. There are events. He, is, he decides because he's sovereign and he is in control and he's not in time. We don't know how he decides when he's going to do something. So we can't really use time. We're the ones that are bound by time, not the Lord. So looking at these three phases or that seven-year period, you really could look at the seven-year period as being seven times seven years. Seven times seven, so it could be 49 years for that very last 70th year, which is the tribulation. Now, the Bible, reading the Bible and listening to some of the, the teachings and then just on my studying as well, um, 
Jesus fulfilled part of the this seventh, the seventh, that last year, that last 1,000 years, which is the seventh, the first when he actually walked the earth. And so when we when he came and died and was resurrected. So when we read Daniel 9, you'll see that in that scripture. It'd be chapter, Daniel chapter 9, verses 23 through 27. So we will look at that uh, yet this evening. Okay, next slide. Okay, so the great and dreadful day in Malachi 4, verse 5 is the great tribulation. So I'm going to read that. It says, keep watch. I am sending Elijah the prophet to you before the arrival of the great and terrible day of the eternal one. Okay, let's pause a minute. Elijah, we, we say, okay, he's going to send Elijah. He says he's going to send him before that great and terrible day. Spiritually, it's been kind of shared that that means it's the, the spirit of Elijah is going to be released in the earth. And we know that toward the close to the end, there's going to be more of a great outpouring based on uh, the prophecy of Joel. Um, and also that there's going to be more signs and wonders and miracles. And, you know, when you have signs, wonders, and miracles, you're going to have more souls that are saved for the kingdom. And so this is what this particular uh, scripture is, is talking about, is that Elijah is coming. Now, how he comes, I don't know. Is he a part of the two witnesses they talk about? that are going to be coming, you know, during that tribulation period. And that is in the book of Revelation. Some translations uh, describe this, the great and terrible day, as out of the hour of temptation versus it being the great terrible day. So it's like, deliver me out of this. <laughs> okay, and then uh, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 36, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. Now Jesus is telling his disciples this. He says, knoweth no man? No, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. He didn't say he didn't know, but he didn't say he did either. Right? <laughs> so the end time are signs and events to inform us that Christ's return is near and to prepare us for what is to come. And it is part of the Bible, at least, uh, I believe they say 30% of the Bible is about the end times and prophecy. So it is very important to God that we understand. This is like our roadmap, just like we have a roadmap that we have when we're on a trip. It's letting us know when we're getting close, you know, what corners to turn and what, what we've seen and what we have not seen. It's the same situation here. And then... Um, on the screen, Matthew 25, 13, it says, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. There again we have that Son of Man. Son of Man cometh. Jesus instructs us to stay alert and to stay ready. Okay, uh, next slide. We're going to talk about Matthew 24. Matthew 24 is the, uh, the Olivet, Olivet, it's the Olive Garden. I mean, olive, the Mount of Olives. <laughs> olive Garden. I must be hungry. <laughs> the Mount of Olives um, is where this was, this particular sermon message or discussion was presented to the disciples. 
and that's why it's called the discourse. Uh, his message is about Israel, when you read this in 24, and not about the church, okay? So you have to remember that. It's not about the church, it's about Israel. Not to say there are going to be still people that are here, you know, in the earth realm that are going to, uh, to go through the tribulation, but it's really to the church. And so in verse 4 he says, uh, Jesus answered uh, the disciples with, you know, when they asked the question of when this will happen. He talked about the stones being displaced uh, in the temple and so on and so forth, which happened in 70 A.D., and so that's key when you go back to Daniel chapter 9, when Daniel is interpreting or he's remembering a prophecy that Jeremiah had, had spoken about the end times and when they will occur. And so Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceives you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But do not be troubled, because the end has not come. So he said, don't worry, that's expected, it's going to be there, and it's going to be there all the time. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. I think we just had an earthquake in, was it Peru? Peru? can't remember. Somewhere it was like a seven, seven point something earthquake. Um, verse eight. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. Okay, let's talk about sorrows. Sorrow, the Greek meaning is birth pains. And so we know birth pains is when a woman is in travail, having those contractions that the baby's about ready to come. The contractions get stronger and they're more frequent and they get closer as she's ready to deliver. Very intense toward the end. That's usually when people are trying to go through natural birth that <laughs> when they say, oh, I can't do this. Give me something. <laughs> it really gets bad. I'm sorry? Sorrow. Uh-huh. Birth pains. The Greek meaning, uh-huh. the Greek meaning in Greek uh, for the word sorrow is birth pains. No way. Yeah, it is. Do your study. <laughs> The tribulation is an outward of events that keep repeating over and over and over. So they're supposed to get intense. They're supposed to get more in number. It's supposed to be that way. Some of us, we get like, well, you know, what's going on? Well, you should know what's going on. It's in the Bible. It's going to get that way. It's going to be more shaking. The earth is going to shake. There's going to be more and more earthquakes. They're going to be all over the place, under the earth, in the volcanoes, those eruptions. Um, then shall, verse 9, then, they, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for many names' sake. This is that widespread anti-Semitism and the martyrism that's going on right now. Very, very big. Especially if you go to the foreign countries. Where that's why I was praying about we do not take for granted our right to worship our God. I know there's a choice, but at least we know that we're worshiping the right God, the only true and wise God. Amen. Verse 10 it says, 
And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. So if we park here on prophets, we know we have the fivefold ministry prophet office gifts. But when you look at the word generically as prophets, you can see it as a spoke person. It doesn't have to be, it's not God's prophets. Okay. People who speak and got a mic and can relay a word or a message, you know, people follow them. And, and, and sad, but, you know, we know right now the politicians are really the main ones that are pushing out this false stuff and, and running our country in the way that they shouldn't run it. But we know there's dictatorships and, you know, and communism and all this other stuff all over the world, too. It's just not... United States, you know, that we, we are speaking about, or the Bible is speaking about, when it says many. But who, they, who he's warning at the time is the Jews, his chosen people. And verse 12, and because of iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Have we preached to all nations? Pretty close. I guess there's some that are, I was looking at something on Christian TV and they were recording the first time these people were able to hear the gospel in their own language. So it was, a, I don't know what language it was or what country. So, you know, we, we, have, we have no clue when that'll be, but, but God does. It is definitely in, in process. So the Great Tribulation will begin uh, Matthew 24, 15 through 28, which is the remainder of this chapter. And in the Amplified, verse 15, it says, So when you see the abomination of desolation or destruction um, that astonishes and makes desolate, spoken by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place. So Jesus is quoting Daniel, the book of Daniel. Standing in the holy, holy place, uh, let the reader understand. <laughs> Bless you. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains for refuge. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things that are in, the, in his house, because there will be no time. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his coat. And woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. Pray that your flight from persecution and suffering will not be in winter or on a Sabbath when Jewish laws prohibit travel. So here the, in the Jewish country, it's, it's difficult to get around during those times. The streets are full um, the weather's predicted to be really bad, like winter storms type things going on. Now, we're talking in, in uh, Israel where it is a desert. They don't get snow. They don't get bad weather. It says, pray that your flight will not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For at that time, there will be a great tribulation. And tribulation here means pressure, distress, oppression, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, 
nor ever will again occur. And if those days of tribulation had not been cut short, no man, no human life would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, God's chosen ones, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you during the great tribulation, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will appear, and they will provide great signs and wonders, so as to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Listen carefully. I have told you in advance. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out there. Or look, he is in the inner rooms of a house, do not believe it. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Everyone will see him clearly. Wherever the corpse, corpse is, there the vultures will flock together. Wow. Oh, a lot of dead people, right? Yeah. yeah. So our goal is to focus, our focus and our goal is to make heaven. Amen. And it's, yeah, amen. And it's, it's more than just believe in the Bible and thinking we're doing, we're walking daily with God. It's more than that. It's having a relationship with him. If you don't have a relationship with him, you're just going through the motions and you don't know him, you won't hear his voice. You won't hear his voice when he calls for you. So Daniel 9, is the next one we're going to talk about, and then we're going to go over some prophetic words as we end. Daniel 9, Daniel 70th week of sevens. Verses 23 through 27. I'm going to read this. It's a lot in this. This itself could be, I think, at least a few weeks study. Verse 23. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. And remember, this is Daniel crying out to God to deliver his people or forgive his people's forgiveness. It's not really deliverance, but to forgive them. And um, it's at the end, pretty close to the end of the 70th week is the reason why he's doing it. Because he knew it was supposed to be uh, 70 weeks um, in, in Jeremiah's prophecy. Verse 24. Uh, Gabriel says, and you know, this is also the, the part of the uh, scripture where Gabriel took forever to come, it seems like. You know, he took a long time to come because he had this warfare and this battle in the heavenlies, you know, uh, to get through. And then Michael went and assisted him so that he can come through. And that's, that's all there in, in that, uh, that chapter. Verse 24, 70 weeks are determined for your people. And for your holy city. So he's speaking to Daniel. He's talking about his people. To finish the transgression. To, and so there's four things. Finish the transgression. Make an end of sin. Make reconciliation for iniquity. To bring in everlasting righteousness. And to seal up the vision and prophecy. 
So I guess there's five things. And then the last part of it is, uh, and to anoint the most holy. Now, the, the anointing of the most holy is not Daniel's people doing that or Daniel doing that. That is God. He does this at, at the, you know, at the end of this, these other things happening or occurring. So it's to finish the transgression, end of sins, make reconciliation for iniquity, and bring, uh, everlasting, bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now, verse 25, we'll talk about each of those in a second. Verse 25, now therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. So he's saying, this is where he's setting the time, the 70 weeks. From the, the command to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah the prince. This is when Jesus comes the first time. That's why I was saying this part of this prophecy supposedly has already been fulfilled when Jesus came. So that last that last 70th week, which is supposed to be seven years, because each of the weeks is seven years. He says there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. But the seven and the 62 are 69 weeks. Because 62 plus seven is 69 is not 70. So that's 483 years. That is supposed to already have happened. And we're at this last, there's like this, remember that break I told you the seven years, there's like three pieces to it. Three and a half, then there's a break, and then three and a half. Or there's like this small pause, or there's this wheat. Well, when, when, when people, Bible scholars, talk about that small pause, that, they're saying that's lasted many years. Like a thousand years, maybe. A long time. When Jesus was here, what, what was it, 2,000 years ago? 3,000 years ago? And so he, then he was resurrected, and, and I don't know that, I mean, I... Can look up the dates and when that happened. But there's definitely documented time to know when that is and when that happened. That's how they can get these calculations as they do because they're actually documented. So verse, um, we'll continue with verse, that's still verse 25. There shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall. Okay, that's the rebuilding of the temple. And so if they're talking about after the 70th, 70, you know, the 70 years that they were in captivity, right, the 70 years, then this is when they came and uh, rebuilt the temple. It was it Solomon's temple that was built? That they, 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 who was it that came? The Romans came and destroyed it. They destroyed it in 70 AD, so sorry about that. It was destroyed in 70 AD. Well, anyway, this is saying, and this is way before then, because this is the book of Daniel. This is way before that Solomon's temple was built, that the street shall be built again and the wall, even in trouble sometimes. So is this time, is this talking about when the new building is going, not the new building, the building that they're talking about doing now so they can start the sacrifices again. It's supposed to happen in Jerusalem. 
And they talked about this share temple mount and all this other things that's supposed to happen and be able to happen so that they could do the sacrifices. Is this what he's talking about? Because he's saying the street shall be built again and the wall. Don't even talk about a wall. The only thing left for the Jews right now is the west, western part, the western wall. The wailing wall, that's all that's left that's considered sacred. And when you go, you go in and you go down, then the wall is there. And that's it. It's huge. It's a huge space. But that's all that's left. Everything else above it and on the other side belongs to the Arabs or the Muslims. Okay, so as I said, many of these are supposed to, these things that had happened, supposedly happened already when Jesus died and was resurrected. And after, verses, this is verse 26, and after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. When he was cut off, that is the resurrection. He was cut off from us physically being able to see him. It's when he died, in other words. He was cut off. And the people of the prince who is to come, who's the prince, who is the prince to come is the Antichrist, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Again, is this when the Romans came and destroyed the sanctuary in 70 AD? Or when, when was this? Or has it happened yet? Or is it still yet to happen? Is it part of the prophecy that's yet to be fulfilled? So many questions. That's why I said this, these verses here could be a teaching in themselves. It says, and they shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood. Okay, so a flood, you think of water, right? Flood. Until the end of the war, desolations are determined. Then verse 27. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. And this is where they talk about halfway through the tribulation period that the Antichrist is going to have a covenant of peace. He's going to be the one that's going to be able to come in. That's how he's finally revealed. He's going to come up with this peace treaty for, for it to be peace finally in the Middle East. But there's going to be this, you know, maybe they're going to share the Temple Mount, however that happens, the Arabs and the, and the, um, the Jews. But in, then it says, but in the middle of the week, this is all in the Bible that I'm reading. <laughs> but in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. And that's how that chapter ends. Amen? Okay. So. Now, this, well, this steps was this year. In June, the Lord told me we had entered into the 70th week. So how long is this, how long is this week, this last week? If the 70th week is, is, is one week, and that one week is seven years, then we would think seven years. Is it seven years or is it seven times seven, which is 49 years? Who knows? I'm still praying for revelation, as you can see. And as I read that chapter, Daniel 9, 23 through 27, it is loaded. And there's all kind of commentaries and 
you know, teachings and, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, that can be somewhat good resource. But we who are prophetic, we who hear from God too, we who know his voice and have a relationship with him, can reveal to us what it means. I think when you're getting... Okay, so the prophetic words uh, for 2021 that I, I feel are most impacting. The first one was June 1st. If you can click once there, there we go. It's called the wind of, winds of change are blowing. The winds of change are blowing. Okay. The winds of change are blowing. You want to go that way. You want to go this way. But my spirit will take the way, says the Lord. My way is the way, says the Lord. I am blowing and pouring and releasing out my spirit for signs, wonders, and miracles to be released and manifested in this day and this hour. Yes, this is the day and this is the hour. Yes, this is what, this is that which prophet Joel prophesied in days of old that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. I am not a man that I should lie. My word must be fulfilled. My word must not return void. My son is coming and he is coming soon. So shake yourself and behold my glory. Behold the coming of the Lord. And then he begins, he says, we are at mile marker 59. I, had, I looked that up and tried to figure out where mile marker 59 really was. <laughs> there, you, know, you can find it in the States. You can find, you can find it in Nebraska. But he, began, he continued to give me revelation on what he was speaking to me. He said, and this is like it could have been a, a day or two later. He said, it is one minute to the day when you will see the sons and daughters rise and take their rightful places in the earth rim and positions in me, says God. He says, this is my 11th hour and the bride has made herself ready. Amen. Okay. Next word. This one was June the 10th. June 10th. And this is the one I, I labeled Daniel's 70th week because that's how he got my attention and start speaking. So the word of the Lord came to me on June 10th, 2021, saying, We have entered the 70th week spoken by Daniel the prophet. It is upon us and unfolding. The players are in alignment and can be seen just as the circle of fire surrounding the moon can be seen from all over the world. On that very day, there was the circle of fire on the moon, around the moon. If you wanted to go uh, search June 10th, 2021. They have encircled and camped about my promised land ready to entreat on my chosen people. This is Ezekiel uh, chapter 38, verse 5. Persia, which is Iran, Cush, which is Ethiopia, and Put, which is Libya, or North Africa, with them, all of them, 
with shield and helmet. Verse 6, Gomer, which is Germany, and all its troops. Beth to Gamarth, which is Turkey, uh, from the remote parts of the north, and all its troops, many peoples with them. Watch, look, hear, and listen to what my spirit is saying to the church in this day and hour. He says, stay alert. Stay alert to know what you must do to be in your place, in your position as the future unfolds before your very eyes. Next one. You guys are so sad. This is, a, I'll be on the PowerPoint. We're going to switch to uh, this one on, it's called Omaha Sto Storms, the Storms of Omaha. Uh, on July 9th and 10th, there was a hurricane force wind that caused more Omaha area power outages than any storm in recent decades. And there's a picture of uh, one of the, um, the trees that was, was uprooted. And so the prophetic word I got was just days at that time, or, or just after that time. He said, God, God said he is separating the church from the world, the wheat from the tear, goat nations from the sheep nations. I saw a sign in the sky, extreme weather changes, strong winds, rainstorms, hurricanes, and tornadoes. This is kind of how they appeared in like a panoramic picture. God said, this is my hand. I saw the eye of God in the storm. So his, his eye began to show. The eye of the storm is defined as the center of a tumultuous situation, typically a conflict of some kind. The phrase alludes to the center of an actual storm, such as a hurricane, which rotates around a central point. So God said, my wrath is coming because of the idols in your hearts. The wrath of God is defined as a strong, vengeful anger or indignation. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. An idol is anything we put before the Lord. It is a sign of worshiping a person, thing, or belief. God said he is tearing them down. All the idols, the toys, possessions, degrees, awards, status, accomplishments, and even racism. None of, none of it means nothing to him. Then he showed me he was dealing with each of us concerning the work of our hands as it relates to the kingdom and soul winning and assignments he has given us. He asked, did you do what I told you to do? Did you go where I told you to go? Or did you go your own way, doing things your way? Will you receive a reward, an eternal crown? Or will it all be just stubble and hang, burned in the fire? 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Then he gave me several scriptures. Second Timothy uh, to, I think it's chapter 3, 
Revelation 22, Daniel 9, Luke 21, and Matthew 24. So I asked, okay, Lord, what are they? What does this mean? And then God said to me, what do they all have in common? He then answered himself as he often does. I heard the Holy Spirit say, the end of this age is imminent. I come quickly, says the Lord. Imminent means it can happen at any time. And in Matthew chapter 24, verse 34, it says, we are the generation that will witness the second coming of the Lord. We must live our lives every day in anticipation of meeting Jesus in the air, in the rapture. Amen? Amen. And then this is another scripture you guys could write down. Matthew 24, verses 37 through 44. And this talks about what is occurring during the days of Noah. How the, how the world is operating. And that we are to be ready. And then the, I think this is the, no it's not the last one. I have one more here, at least two more. September the 11th. 9-11. It was the anniversary of 9-11. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, this is the 10th anniversary of the worst terroristic attack on America, the land of the free. He says, Satan sits at the highest position in the demonic realm. Satan, your adversary, walks around seeking who he can devour like a wolf tracking and hunting down his prey. He is not your friend and he does not play. He will attack you and come through any open door you have opened. You must be holy and stand upright. Stay in your position. Know the word. Study the word. Quote the word and use the word along with your other weapons of warfare. God says our weapons are not carnal but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. His attacks, Satan's, are in your mind. But if you have the mind of Christ, he will have no right or authority to have foothold in your life. Be vigilant as he is vigilant. Vigilant means to be determined, to be steadfast and always discerning. He says your voice and your words are mighty weapons. They can close doors and open doors. Watch what you say and profess because you will get and have what you say. Stay in the word. Keep your mind on things above. Be watchful and pray. His days, Satan, your adversary's days, are numbered. He has but a short time to weaken my kingdom and build his army. His clock will begin ticking at the beginning of the tribulation and end at the millennial reign of my son. Prophecy will be fulfilled. The end will come. My word will not return to me void. It will do what I say it will do. It will perform what I tell it to, to perform. It will accomplish what I want it to accomplish. Then the end will come, says the Lord. Repent, repent, repent. Because the kingdom of God is here in our midst. Just as John the Baptist, the Baptist prepared the way for the Lord, we too must prepare our hearts for his soon coming, his soon return. Sorry, his soon return. Amen? And then the most recent one, November the 11th. Oh, this was uh, more like a dream. 
Well, it was. It felt like a journey. So I was in a. It was in. It was a night season or a night vision, um, and the reason why I say that because you know when I described the panoramic view one that I saw with the the storm clouds and then all the stuff kind of happening and then the eye of God's eye coming through the clouds, that was more of a vision. Where this was more, I was in it, in the vision. So I dreamed that the world as we know it, again, this is uh, November the 11th, and it's entitled, I Come Quickly, says the Lord. I dreamt that the world as we know it was ending. I saw these things before they happened. Then they did, without warning. It was like I was in it, but also I was there observing. I was, was observing what was taking place. I saw first the sky go grossly dark, then huge storm clouds appeared. First it was quiet, a real eerie type quietness, and still like a storm was approaching. And then the wind started to blow, and to blow, and to blow. It got stronger and stronger. The house began to shake as if being picked up and lifted up from its foundation. Then we all ran to find coverage, uh, more like a place to hide. Then we heard the rain. It was loud and scary like it. we were in the ocean. We went to the basement to take cover. This lasted, it seemed like forever, but it was maybe about 10 to 15 minutes and then it, it stopped. Uh, we went upstairs to look outside, and it was, like I said, I was there, but I wasn't there. I was watching as I was um, experiencing this. We went to look outside. The street was gone. There was no street. There was mud. There were trees all upheavaled, and uh, the ground was as high as the height of the windows. Cars were everywhere. Debris, debris was everywhere. There was no way to leave. You couldn't get out. I heard the Lord say, it is I who have allowed this tsunami. It is I who is in control of all things. So I, had, I was at peace at the sound of his voice um, and the words he spoke. And then people in the area were frazzled, running to and fro in despair. After a while, the sky was clear, the sun shining brightly. Then a voice called out, now I will show you who I am. The sky was full of happiness, rainbows, beautiful colors, and many different objects, um, like an array of toys and angels and just beautiful, beautiful stuff everywhere. I put on here a smogos board of stuff. It was like we were lifted up from the earth and taken to this heavenly place in heaven. It was a new place. It was a different place. And then I woke up. And so after a dream, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, write, it, write everything down that I remember because, you know, you, you read, whenever, if you have them, the spiritual ones, they're right while you're getting them. And then you write it all down. And then after that, I pray over to get interpretation of what the dream meant. And then so uh, 
received after I woke up and I described, okay, and then I transcribed the dream and it says, dark days are coming, my children, but know I am in full control. These things must come to pass in order for time to realize the soon return of my son. He is anxiously waiting to receive his bride and I am anxiously watching my word to come to pass. So fret not, remain alert, and steadfast in my word. Know that your redemption draws nigh. Comfort one another with these words, says the Spirit of the living God. Amen? Amen. So, I know the teaching this evening has been one of those sober, sober teachings, give you a lot to think about. Uh, and maybe things that God has already shown you or spoken to you or revealed to you in your journaling or, or even in your own, uh, you know, dreams that you may have had. But when I have dreams and, and visions and over the last, wow, maybe the last, it's way before even the pandemic, there have been these, they've always been dreams of warning and where we are now. And at my prophetic calling and gift is for the church. And so he is speaking to his church, the body of Christ. Rather, you know, and we're all elects until that day comes when the rapture happens. But, you know, we individually have to be accountable for ourselves. As we know, we, we stand before Christ on our own. And so uh, my prayer is that um, as I obey God and speak and share, it draws you closer to wanting to know him more and, and know where we are. He wants us to know. You know, none of this is me. I'm just being obedient and, and I have to obey God. And I know now the why I'm created or what my purpose is. I don't really know why I'm created because I'm created for an eternal purpose and destiny. But for my assignment here on the earth and in the earth realm, I know what it is I am to do. And if he's given me dreams and visions and words of warning to warn the church, then that's exactly what I'm going to do. But I don't want it ever to be uh, doom and gloom where you don't see that his love is there. His, his wanting us to know him and, and know what to, what to expect and how to know him more and to draw closer to him. You know, my life needs to be an example. We need, you know, that scripture talks about a living epistle. We need, to, we need to walk in that and walk in the love of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tonight. I appreciate you each coming. And hope you received uh, from the Lord tonight what he wanted you to receive. That top posit or that, oof, that push from behind <laughs> to move forward or to come up, come up hither, as Sheila said earlier. So uh, thank you. And then I'll see you all next week. We'll talk a little bit more along these lines. But we'll, talk, we'll deal with Yom Kippur um, more so. And the wars. Because there's these wars that are starting to happen. And uh, there, we know that there's rumors and rumors and rumors of wars because God said so. But there, if he's calling out specific ones and he's telling you the key players and when they possibly will occur, 
they're key to understanding in times and what day we're living in. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let us pray. Father, we thank you again for all of your, your mercy and your goodness and your grace and the information and the knowledge and revelation that you released to us this evening. We thank you that we will continue to grow in knowing the word and knowing you, Lord. We have so much to know and so much to learn. And we're so hungry to know you, to be with you, to be like you, Lord, and to one day live in eternity with you, Father. And we just love you for your graciousness. And um, pray everyone who receives tonight will build upon what they've gotten, Father, and you will visit them at night season and, and speak to them and in their hearts, Lord. Thank you that they continue to remain blessed and walk in your anointing and in your grace and your divine protection over their lives, Lord. Thank you for the doors that you're opening for them. Father, we thank you for each of them and that you're meeting the needs that they have, meet the desires and give them the desires of their hearts, Lord. We thank you that you hear our prayers and you answer our prayers. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. amen.